This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the True Beauty Brooklyn podcast. I'm Elizabeth Taylor. And I'm Alex Shapiro. We are estheticians in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and we work with really incredible, diverse, ambitious, and driven women that are killing it in life. And they deserve to be celebrated. So on this podcast, we're going to be sharing their stories with you. Yeah, and then in between those interview episodes, we'll be doing segments where it's just the two of us, maybe some guest stars, and we'll be (laughs) chatting about beauty, life, weird shit about being in your 30s and just learning more about one another because that's what makes us more similar than different. Also, we're a lot of fun and we We have a super multicultural community and we kind of think that you might too. So why not talk all things beauty under one black and Jewish roof? Hell yes. Um, Also, we'll be answering listener questions. So make sure to write to us at truebeautybrooklynpodcast at gmail.com. All right, guys. So let's jump into the show. Bye. Hey there, guys. Hey. It's Elizabeth. And Alex. Welcome to the True Beauty Brooklyn podcast. Welcome. This week, we are speaking to an incredible guest. His name is Andrew Sotomayor, and he's an Emmy-winning celebrity makeup artist and also the founder of Oracle Jane Station, which is his signature line of fragrances. Mm, They sound delicious. And he's also the host of his own podcast called Masters of Makeup. I mean, not to toot his horn a little bit more, but let's do it. So he won an Emmy for his work on SNL. Holy shit. (laughs) He was nominated for an Emmy for his work on Pose. Holy shit. And he was also nominated for his work on Jesus Christ Superstar live. That's so impressive. I know. And he's young, too. And he's young. He's somewhere around our age. I didn't ask. Yeah. But we had such an incredible time speaking with him. And we went... In so many different directions, honestly, <laughs> as we like to do. As we like to do, we Alex and I told him that we will hold his hand down the tangent road, down tangent lane, <laughs> which we definitely did. But I think that our conversation hit a lot of really important and interesting notes, and I would say that honestly, this is one of the closest conversations I think we've had to what I hoped would happen when we first launched the podcast. Yeah, just using beauty as a platform to speak about more. Not more important things, but more in-depth thi- things, Yeah, because right? it all connects. Yes. And the beauty industry is huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's also a lot of fucked up shit that goes on. Yes. Which is mirroring the world that we live in. Yeah. Right? 
So we had a really incredible conversation. I think we talked about the Black Lives Matter movement. We talked about Andrew growing up in Long Island, mm-hmm. like our friend Alex. He's a North Shore boy. He's a North Shore boy. And yeah, we talk about LGBTQ plus rights and being a person of color, all of the power that we hold within buying power as people of color, how mm-hmm. we all just need to come together to have conversations about claiming our power and working together and making change in this industry that we all work in, but it infiltrates traditional culture. Like there's so many makeup artists that are on set of every, I mean, anything that we watch, there's makeup artists on set, there's hairstylists on set, there's estheticians that are involved. And most of us are either women or people of color or Mm -hmm. members of the LGBTQ plus community. And yet we're not seen often in these same mediums. And I was so happy that this conversation went there. He makes many great points. Yes, I can't even begin to bring them up now, so instead we won't. You'll just have to listen. You're just going to have to listen. So without further ado, here's our conversation with celebrity makeup artist and Emmy Award winner, Andrew Sotomayor. I'm Andrew Sotomayor. I'm an Emmy-winning celebrity makeup artist from New York City. I love it. So we love to start with our guests, like just kind of starting at the beginning of their journeys. All the things that have made you who you are today. So you can kind of start wherever you'd like. We like to start at the very, very beginning. I would just add this as a guest. If I've answered your question and you want to move on, jump in. Let me know. Feel free to interrupt because... Oh my God, you're so cute. Yeah, just do that. He likes tangents. Yeah, we like tangents. We're, we'll take you down that tangent road. We'll hold your hand. Yeah. <laughs> and That's cool, too. That's it. cool, too. I just want to make sure we get through everything that you guys have planned. Totally. Okay, great. So, where did you grow up? I was born in Dallas, Texas, and I grew up on Long Island. Um, my dad was working for a newspaper that we realized was going to be closing down. And so, knowing that, uh, my parents decided to move to New York City or outside of New York. And the plan was to live here for two years, get a new job, get back on their feet, and then go back to Dallas where they still had a house Mm -hmm. and be close to my mom's family in in Western Texas and my dad's family in Arizona. And um, yeah, it's been 35 years. (laughs) They never never left? Never went back. Oh, I love it. Wow. Did you Um, stay on Long Island? I did. We started in Queens and then we moved out to Long Island. (gasps) That's Um, me. Yeah, that's this girl's story. We started in Queens and then went to Long... Where in Long Island? Uh, On the North Shore. Okay. The really, like, the really, like, Connecticut part of Long Island. Yeah. I'm from the South Shore. We're trashy, you know. (laughs) (laughs) My first boyfriend was from the South Shore and my longest friend that I've had since I was 16 is also from the South Shore. Oh, so So you're like one of those North Shore people. You're like, you know, I'm friends with everyone completely part of that is because again i was a musical theater kid Mm. so when you're a musical theater kid and a chorus kid and like a show choir kid and a gay kid back in the 90s you get the benefits of getting to meet kids from all over right because i would do all county chorus i got into all state i got into all regional so like i was i got into national too but like i was was a sanger but like (laughs) from that you would get to know kids from all, all the different towns and across the state and even up up and down the east coast Mm -hmm. so that meant that being a gay kid in the 90s i would get to make friends with girls from the different chorus groups and from musical theater stuff and so then that meant that i went to proms from like 
seven different high schools, I think. Wow. Oh my God. You were like wow. the designated yeah. prom date. Yeah. I was the designated prom date. Like it was not until my thirties that I realized that like <laughs> that gay men weird. and girls like going out dancing together was not like the way that everybody went right. and hung out. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wait a minute. The gay boys go out without girlfriends sometimes. <laughs> this is very sad. That's only half of your party. Right. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. I just looked I was looking at your Instagram and I saw this fabulous bolero, like silver uh, and black, yes. That I think that you wore to the to the Emmys, maybe. I wore it to the Emmys, yeah. Um Victor Luna from Project Runway was my roommate for like oh, only about like a month, a month and a half. Yes. Before he got an amazing job working for Michael Costello, his his really good friend, and doing his own brand as well. Out in LA, but we became friends from that, having been Facebook friends and, and having briefly worked together on Project Runway season eight or nine. Right. So um, when it came time to go to the Emmys for Pose, I said, I've got to up the ante. Like, yes. I'm not going to rent something. And it, like, this is, needs to be a fashion moment. So yes. Victor made me a custom bolero with long, a long back to it. No, no, it was a bolero, but it had these long sleeves to to a custom shirt that he made for me Mm -hmm. with the super high-waisted pants. And the fun thing about that was, A, it was completely crystallized, and B, neither of us really realized at the time how much our Mexican heritage, our shared Mexican heritage, Mm -hmm. was infused into that garment until I put it on. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, this feels like a modern, glamorous, crystallized version of a mariachi costume yes the mexican musicians so it was fun to show up for a show that was so much a celebration of queer people and of people of color that and fashion that i got to have all of those parts of my life represented as well oh my goodness okay well i took you on that tangent because i I was really just going to ask is that the way that you showed up to prom too? Like, what, what were the prom outfits like? Oh, oh, I definitely like was destined to have a great Emmys outfit one day. Yes, and you can see the little seedlings planted. Um, the first, like, they're real proms, but they're also like the proms they do for like freshmen. Right. Oh, yeah. And when we went to the frosh, they called it. I showed up with like a really like tight fitting pair of black jeans, mm. which. Nobody had, nobody had black jeans back in the 90s, in the, in the right? 90s. It was yeah. all Jankos. No. Yeah. Like there was, no. Yeah, maybe like Jankos where they would have them. Yeah. Yes. But like, um, this That's was it. like really thin jeans tight. with like a black shirt with like a cool sort of waffly sort of fabric mm, and then, cute. and no jacket and then like a purple slash future sort of holographic duochrome tie. Oh my God, stop. <laughs> I love this. Yeah. I love yeah. it. What were the other kids' reactions? The North Shore Long Island is is very, and the particularly the town that I came from, is very, very, I guess the word is white. <laughs> like <laughs> My lacrosse, <laughs> Abercrombie and Fitch, like yes. that's what everybody wore. Like yes. the stylish sort of kid that I had a crush on would also wear clothes from J. Crew. Right. Like yeah. that was like, the fashion forward like that yes. but that's like as edgy as it got was right. like 90s j crew right so um yes this was definitely pushing it and i got looks and surprises and i loved every moment of it uh, yeah. and they only got better yes. from then on out <laughs> i love it i love it okay so went to all of 
the proms. <laughs> Everybody's a prom in high school. And then what? Were, where did you head after that? What were your goals? When you were in high school, did you know that you wanted to do makeup? But you said you were a singer then. Yeah, I was a musical theater kid. So okay. I got into a couple colleges for musical theater, and I was yes. planning to go. But I ended up with the sort of like, I think Mel Robin calls it the fixed mindset, mm-hmm. where... It happens to a lot of kids who sort of are innately talented um, or you're you're kind of a fast learner. Mm -hmm. You kind of get this thing in your head where suddenly if you don't get everything you want or it doesn't come quickly to you. And mind you, I still worked really, really hard, but I was still used to like I've worked really hard and then then I get what I want. Yes. Yes. Um, But then as you get older, like that. Think moments happen where you're not getting everything you want all yeah. of a sudden, yeah. even if you did put in the work for it. Right. And I didn't deal with that super well. <laughs> well, it's like little fish, no, big fish, little pond. Totally. Right. And then you go into like the bigger pond and it's like, oh, everybody's at this level. And you're just like, okay, so me being like mm. good isn't good enough. But that was the first time you realize that that's a, that's, it hurts. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Totally. Yeah. You're just like, and I was a kid who, who could wait till the last minute to do my homework, but then I would, you know, stay up late and I would do it and I'd do really well. Yes. And then I was like, well, I guess that's my process. That's how I work. I wait till the last minute, but then I focus, focus, focus. I do a really good job and I get an A on my English paper. But right. I should have known that eventually that was going to catch up with me because it was already catching up with me with math. Oh. But when it started catching up with me with, with, with musical theater, um, not that I was waiting till the last minute, but just that like you said, other kids were, were showing up that were just as talented or they were starting to mature mm-hmm. and I wasn't getting into every single college that I wanted to or I wasn't getting every lead role right. like I was in the middle of my high school years. I, I didn't, didn't occur to me that that just meant, like, today's not your day, but keep working hard and eventually you'll have your day. Right. It was really that simple, but sometimes you have to be in your mid-30s to figure that out, unfortunately. <laughs> well, I, I don't think that that comes innately, man. I think that that yeah. takes... A, I mean, somebody's either got to tell you or you've got to learn it, right? Like, it's Especially true. if things always come easy, then... I mean, maybe it's just because I've only recently been diagnosed with ADD, but very similarly, like things always came very easy to me. And like if it got more difficult or if I got bored with it, I would just find something else and then that would come very easy and I'd be like super focused and it was fine. And it was the same thing. And it came... For me, it was like doing like the self-work and like reading the books and reading about how like good enough isn't good enough once you hit a certain level like if you want to keep going you've got to be great you've got to do more work and it's like oh more work okay I could do more work I could outwork somebody I think I could do that (laughs) yeah you know Audra McDonald is a seven-time Tony award-winning singer and actor on Broadway and she was on The Good Wife I believe or yeah The Good Wife and Audra was one of the guest stars that came to talk to us in college and she said something that I've never forgotten and what she said was you're not going to know if you want to be an actor until you actually are one Mm -hmm. and Elizabeth Franz a similarly acclaimed actress she said don't worry about the kids who have no talent they're going to be fine they're going to realize whether in their face or in the back of their heads that they have no talent Mm -hmm. and they're going to work their butts off and they're going to get where they want to go right it's Mm -hmm. the kids who have talent or the kids who sometimes have had quick moments of success Mm -hmm. that aren't going to realize just how much time you need to put into stuff Mm -hmm. and again i was a hard worker but what i've come to realize in my 30s what i finally realized is this i am a hard worker but i am a sort of sprinter rather than a marathoner Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is that I will work really, really hard at a project and put in like a good six weeks at it and then to the point where then I'm burnt out mm-hmm. and I got to take a break or I got to do something else. Yeah. Case in point, 
when June of 2020 happened and it was Pride Month and it was the Black Lives Matter Month, I'm going to call it. Mm -hmm. I was thinking, okay, what can I do that other people aren't already doing? Yes. And I saw that a lot of the beauty brands were doing a very lazy or very performative job at speaking up for racial justice Mm -hmm. and doing what they've always done, which was doing a very performative at best, you know, getting involved in, in LGBTQ rights. Right. So that made me so mad. So I said, let's flip the script. Let's get the beauty industry talking because I saw people like KJ Miller from Mented Mm -hmm. doing genuine work and Mm -hmm. genuinely point, you know, calling out her truth Mm -hmm. and genuinely giving resources and empowering her loyal Mented shoppers. And as a black owned business, that comes as no surprise. But for L'Oreal or Maybelline, as a brand that has purportedly cultivated a following of queer people and people of color for decades Mm -hmm. like for them to to basically do nothing is not just it i'm gonna say that it's shocking even though it's not a surprise it's not right yeah like it's yeah it's only shocking that it's like even in this moment you're still continuing not to change yes right it's it's embarrassing it's 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 deplorable you know so i decided in that month to use what skills I had, which is getting people talking, getting people to have conversations, getting people to say, oh, you feel that way? Guess what? She feels that way. He feels that way. They feel that way. And so that's where I decided to step up. So I did 21 hours of Instagram Live with small business owners that were also LGBTQ or black owned, or in two cases, they were also allies. Mm -hmm. And we got them talking about just how they're running a small business and about how they were using their own personal values and infusing that into their business. We've seen people refusing to bake cakes for, for LGBTQ people. That's people putting their hateful values yeah. into their business. Yeah. So let's talk to people who are putting their positive values into the way they run their business. Totally. And it can be everything from very non-political sort of things like, again, Mented Cosmetics putting together a Zoom for all of their followers to join for free about how they can start their own small business. Mm, Or other brands uh, like a costume designer who was showing up and protesting every day Mm -hmm. and saying, you know what, I am an artist, I am a costume designer, I am a black trans woman, but all of that, I bring that with me every day to work. Even if it's deciding which pair of jeans to choose, you can't separate how your life experience infuses who you are. And so why are we going to allow multi-billion dollar corporations to separate who they are and who their customers' lives are so that they can sell us darker shades of foundation but then not do the work. Choose to give money to only politicians that are supporting our causes or choose to post an empty black square or five shades of foundation in the shape of a heart and call that standing up for diversity. Yes. Fuck you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's not enough. So, it's, 100%. It's nothing. Well, I mean, you hit on so many great things just then, but like, you know, I had a client say to me, I love how you infuse like politics and beauty. And I never, I never looked at it that way because I just, I'm who I am. And unfortunately being a black woman, I've got to yell about it because like you have to, you know, you and I were talking about this before where I was like, dude, nobody wants to say black lives matter, but like no people forget. So you've got to yell it so that people start to pay attention. And you said it so well and so eloquently in that, like, for some of us, you can't separate who you are from, like, your day-to-day and from your business and from your career because right. just, like, being alive is 
is a political statement. Right, right. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. well, I guess that's the problem with like so many things going on right now yeah. <laughs> in this country. It's yeah. Like- what you said about people not baking cakes is so true. Like you hear these stories of people infusing their hatred, but you don't so much hear these stories of people like infusing like their joy and and in who they yeah. are in their business. Right. I didn't even think yeah. about flipping you know- scripts like that. It's true. Yeah, completely. And mm-hmm. you just said the word joy, which is, I think, an important word. And and as I've sort of learned again, my style is I've often been a sprinter, not a marathoner. And now having my brand Oracle Jane Station, having the Masters of Makeup podcast, and just as my career is including more and more TV and film, that's one way that I need to grow is I need to do things that are not just, you know, eight hours or 12 or 24 hours at SNL, where it's like quick, boom, 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 yeah. and then you get a day off or, yeah. you know, a 10 week TV show, but might be a six month film. These are, these are ways that I need to grow myself. But to your point, the joy is what resonated with me because the joy is what's also going to help us in these fights for equality Mm -hmm. because we need to bring both the trauma and the joy and let both of those things motivate us. And I feel like one community that, that I've um, gotten to view um, is the native American community, Mm -hmm. which is, as I understand, the hardest hit community as far as COVID right now, meaning like the least amount of resources are getting to those particular communities. Mm-hmm. And so my friend CC Meadows from Prados Beauty um, identifies as Chicana and um, Native American. And what she has done in her brand is definitely raised awareness of her communities, either from donating, I think, 50% of her profits to the Native American community, devoting wow. um, a lot of her own personal income back to the community, wow. using her social media channels mm-hmm. to do everything from raising awareness about even a little baby recently who needs a special type of surgery mm-hmm. or putting the artwork of the Native American community on her mm-hmm. packaging. And oh, this wow. is a trend that I've seen for a long time, which is that I remember my earliest experience with the Native American community doing this is that they, when I was in middle school, in eighth grade history, we had two guest speakers while we were doing our Native American history units. Mm. So the first person came and he laid it out real bare for us about the the troubles that, that the Native Americans in America have been experiencing, about the, the hundreds of years of racism, about how their lands are just so minimalized and often not the lush natural resources that you would need to sustain a community to be self-sufficient. No, this is not like that. a farm-to-table restaurant right. sort of reservation right. situation. Right. No, they weren't like, this... here, you keep the gold land and we'll keep the oil right. land. It's fine. They're like, no, no, no. Oh, the land we gave you? Surprise, there's oil? We'll take that back. You guys keep on moving. Yeah, like, literally. Insane. Yep. And insane. even like the, the money that's that's meant to get to the communities, how a lot of it would get held up either in administrative costs yes. or... Uh, however else the ways were not trickling down the way they're supposed to and that was an important half of the conversation and then the second half of the conversation resonated with me just as deeply like the first week made me want to go home and cry and see like this is wrong how do we fight this and the second week was a guest speaker who said here's our culture here's our art here's our food here's our music here is our language and that completed the puzzle for me because the first person infused in my brain the knowledge of the humanity that needs to be fought for. Yes. The second person put into my heart the humanity of what needed to be fought for. Yes. Oh my goodness, you're absolutely right. And I have a really silly analogy <laughs> that I don't want to I ruin. I love your analogy. You know what I'm going to say, though, I think, because you're here for it. I don't want to ruin what you just said with such a great 
was such a silly. But this, I think, will hit all of us. So we have a friend who was saying that, of course, in June, we were all talking about Black Lives Matter and all these things, right? And so a friend of ours was saying that uh, she didn't claim this. She claims that Spike Lee said to her once that Martin was the worst thing to ever happen to television because he was just so silly and put on dresses and it was just so terrible for white America to see that. And I said, homie, no offense, but Martin didn't make that for you. What I saw was a black man who loved his girlfriend. They had so much fun. Like, he had a crazy neighbor, Shanene, and it was just joyous. And it wasn't for white America. It was for us to look and have fun and to enjoy because it doesn't always have to be this heaviness. It doesn't always have to be just like, you know, a lot of our history, yes, is awful, unfortunately, in this country, but it doesn't always have to be that. There's another narrative that can be told, and that's the silly version of like what you were just yeah. saying. No, but it's true. But it's true. There has to be room for both, right? Yeah, and you know, that criticism comes up a lot for, for the show Will and Grace, mm. and, you know, people, people like, for a long time have criticized that show, but those that were criticizing that show I think are a lot of younger activists mm. that maybe don't have the experience of what it was like to grow up in the 90s. And for me, in that moment, I think we might have had a similar reaction to each of these TV shows. Mm -hmm. Because for me, I saw two different sides of myself represented. I saw a gay person who was making money and had a job and had a a female best friend. And I was like, yeah, that's like me and Katie or me and Lindsay or me and the girls that I do musical theater with that are like my, my gal pals. That's even sort of like the girl that I'm don't particularly know well but who saw me who heard that i was getting called a bat that i got called a bad word Mm -hmm. to my face in spanish class Mm -hmm. and then went off and then told me about it later on that was like we just want you to know that was really wrong and we told his girlfriend about that Uh, i was like that's i was like this show will and grace is about male female alibi (laughs) alibis He wasn't making out with his boyfriend then. He was hanging out with me having having gay girl movie night. Um, allies. allies. That yeah. was about allies. Yeah. And then when you look at Jack, yeah, it was about gay boys not pretending to be straight acting, mm-hmm. not pretending to be anything than less than over the top and expressive as we want to be. Mm-hmm. And so it's like you can watch a show with these very, I don't think it's at all disrespectful to say extreme characters. It was, it was a sitcom. It was a comedy, right, right Martin? Right, right. Same right. With Grace, same thing with um, a lot of shows. I, I think a thing that's lost when people try to assess those types of characters and they try to put them down or say that they're not representative of our entire communities it's like no they're not supposed to be representative of our entire communities but you know what that one gay kid who doesn't feel represented because there are not many characters Mm -hmm. is going to see himself in one of those perhaps and if you don't then it's like just know that that's part of a larger problem and this is the beginning but to expect every character of color or every lgbtq character to represent fully who any one of us is as an individual right all that basically does is it shuts down the possibilities of creativity yeah, and it shuts down sure. future representations yeah and it makes people seem like they're one-dimensional i mean i don't know about you but i am awful of like hypocrisies like i am a well-rounded <laughs> creature that's like has a lot of different views and sometimes yeah. I agree with something, sometimes I don't. And you can't just yeah. start, like... I mean, that's the problem with 
a big problem, I think, with America is if you don't fit comfortably within a box that you can just check, then it makes people uncomfortable, right? To believe. I mean, to see during the election that people were like, oh, my God, Latinos all think differently. They're not all for Trump. They're not all for Biden. I was like, yet the fact that you think (laughs) that this is one group of people that have one brain, it's the same thing thing about black people. It's insane. It's like, yes, these are people that have their own views and all think differently. Crazy. Crazy. It's crazy to think. And I think that we need to we need to honor that within our own intersectional communities as well. Yes. Because again, what worries me about the LGBTQ community and our fight for progress is that we see these representations of queer people on television and we hold them to such a high standard of perfection Mm -hmm. and and perfection not even in terms of like not being derogatory, but it's like the word problematic is thrown out so quickly Mm -hmm. that it becomes this thing where we expect every character on TV to be perfect. And it's like, guess what? If they're a real character that's truly got a humanity to them, they're going to make mistakes. They're not going to be perfect. And they're not going to represent you entirely 100%. Mm -hmm. And that's, first of all, makes good art, makes good characters, because then we can watch those characters grow. Mm -hmm. That's like if you like, to watch the show Shit's Creek, mm-hmm. seeing them in the first episode and being like, these people are terrible. I don't yeah. want to watch this show. Yes. It's like you're not going to see them grow and yes. learn and develop. Yes. But then you're also not going to see any characters that are representing you because white America, cis America, straight mm-hmm. America, and the producers are going to say, well, guess what? Gay people didn't watch this show starring RuPaul. Exactly, yes. And then Trixie Mattel, who maybe is a more progressive drag queen, is never going to get her own sitcom. Because right. what's going to happen? The people with the money at the top are going to say, oh, guess what? We already tried a show starring a drag queen and it didn't work. I know. Gay the people idea didn't that watch there's it. only one, that, that there can only be one is so... Do you know Jenna Weiss Berman, our friend, once said something? She was like, yeah, white people know that we're boring, too. And it's like, (laughs) if that's the case, there needs to be more, just more. Just give more than just one show a try. Just don't let it just be like, well, we tried that one. Like, it just goes back to what we're saying. And also, somebody else said something to me recently about characters that really changed my mind about how I view them is I was watching oh I was watching Fleabag and I was like I don't know if I can get behind this girl like she's stealing bottles of wine like if she was black it would be this and this and she was like I think the point of her character is that she represents the worst of what we can all be and sometimes watching characters that are like that that you cringe because it represents the worst of you and you know that there's a part of you that's also like that Mm -hmm. and I was like god damn girl you're right and that's so yeah, the characters that you watch shouldn't always be like, mm-hmm, girl, mm-hmm, that's all me. It shouldn't make you question. It should make you wonder. It should show you different aspects of humanity that isn't always pleasant. And right. the only way to see that is to see problematic characters. Because guess what? We're all fucking problematic. I don't know about yeah. you, but I am problematic. True. <laughs> and, I, and I completely agree with you. And I, and I think we have to also change the way that we critique art, whether it's critiquing somebody's Instagram page or critiquing a TV show or a movie. We've got to critique art in less in, in a different way than this loved it, hated it, swipe left, swipe right. right mentality. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah. Is your example Fleabag, you can't decide in 140 characters on Twitter whether Fleabag is a good show or not. Right. Because every piece of art there's gonna be things that you respond to and that excite you or get your brain going or things that you're bored by or things that are poorly written sometimes, Mm -hmm. but it's almost never going to be a hundred percent. Yeah. 
Almost never. Like, and if, even if, if you hated a show, there's a good chance that there's going to be some sort of message or some sort of idea in there that's worth considering. Yeah. And I think that if we do that, then we're going to do our part as queer people, as people of color. We're going to do our part in our allies. We're going to do our part to see what's good and honor that and make sure that not just us as a community, but the people with money who are in charge so far, like it or not, mm -hmm. that they also recognize this worked about this show. Bring back these elements. Bring back these types of characters. Bring back this writer. Mm -hmm. Bring back these types of stories. And on the next one, add this element in. Or give them a partner. Give them a black character that is doing a different job that we haven't seen them do on television before. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. I like that. <sighs> yeah. Is it weird to go back to high school, to go back to college? With <laughs> oh, yeah, shit. I forgot we're on your journey. <laughs> <laughs> You're saying really amazing things, and I'm like, I uh, so amazing things. damn. Okay, let's skip. Okay, so... Because we're already there. Oh, let's, that's where it all started. That's where it all started. You didn't so, get into all of the schools. You didn't get all into all the schools. So tell us what what got you into makeup. Tell us like how that career transformed. Yeah, where did you from, wind up going? Like, to what school? was the pivot? Um, and did you major in musical theater? Yeah, all these things. Yeah, I so ended up majoring questions. in musical theater. But what I did before I went to school is I got a job working at a department store and working at Starbucks. And what was fun about that is that if you've ever had great customer service, you know how that just makes shopping so much more fun. Mm -hmm. And so I was thrilled to pieces that I was working at Lord & Taylor where customer service was great and Starbucks for customer service at the time was great. And, at the um, time. <laughs> and then th there's still great people out there too. Just not <laughs> they grew too fast and they prioritized yeah, you yes. know, money over people but that said it was a major priority when I was there and in my my little stores for Starbucks and for Lord and Taylor that was the priorities and I loved that because coming out of being a 90s high schooler to suddenly being in a department store it's like you're looking for socks I would love to help you find some socks or are you looking for a sweater yes here's the one you're looking for but also see this one as well this would go really well as an alternate the most if you eager. want to make it a set oh I could see you being a very like good the, salesperson the at Lord eager, and Taylor yes. <laughs> You were selling so shit fun. And like that was the type of store where that was appreciated. Like, yes. like yeah. you know, it was never pushy. It was like, you're done, great. Here, let's get you that one. Let's get you that one pair of jeans and get you out of here. And that's also no like problem. a time where you wanted sales help. Like, there's a certain generation yeah. that they expected that. And were you at yeah. the Lord and Taylor on Long Island? Yeah. yeah that one. Yeah, yeah. The, oh, that one specifically. All those ladies probably loved you. <laughs> oh, totally. I was adorable and in a good mood. Like I was a dream come true. I love <laughs> and like for Starbucks and like Lord and Taylor, like that was a great place to go to after high school where people were so jaded and so like, yeah. oh, you know, bad posture and like just like too cool for school. <laughs> and so naturally, like, I just sort of flourished in that environment. And As eventually, somebody <laughs> thought that I would be great at at the cosmetics department. Ooh. And so then I got a job working for the holidays for selling Chanel perfumes. Mm. And then after that, I was like, I can't go back to selling socks. I can't go back to selling jeans. <laughs> like, I need to be on commission. Yes. <laughs> and I need to be doing something that's a little more uh, creative and a little more um, challenging. Yes. And I loved that the beauty department, they were smiling. I knew they were making commission. I knew that they had all of this product knowledge. And um, I knew that they were playing with color all day. So I was like, we got to make this happen. I so I, there were jobs open at the Lancome counter and the Clinique counter. And I spoke to representatives from each counter on a slow night. And 
I decided to go out for the long come job and I got it. And so I did that for a little while. This is in a mall, right? I'm like picturing it. I'm like, I can picture you in the mall. You're talking to these ladies. You're like, okay, do I go there? Do I not? This one has better eyeshadow. Okay, let's choose it. Like what made you choose one? <laughs> what made you choose yeah. one over the other? You know what? You just said something about wanting versus not wanting customer service and mm. how it's sort of changed the way, how the way we've shopped has sort of changed. And in my mind, I don't think good customer service has really changed at all. Mm-hmm. Good customer service. Because in my mind, good customer service to what you just said, alluded to, good customer service is saying, what does this person genuinely want in this moment? Mm-hmm. And I'm not just talking products. I'm like, what kind of experience at the shopper as a shopper do you want? Mm-hmm. Do you want to walk into the store and have some time to browse and then have some free time alone to yourself? But then when you do need help, somebody's like immediately there excited to help you and say, yes, you want that red lipstick? Yes, let me check in the drawer and see if I got that for you. Here you go. Do you want me to check you out here or do you want to go to the line? Yes. You go to the line? Great. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. I'll see you next time. Yes. That's great customer love, service. It's great customer yeah. service. It's people skills. It's, yeah. It's, totally. It's observing people's, but they're not telling you, right? Yeah. Uh, observing what they actually want because people mm-hmm. very rarely tell you what they actually want. Yeah. They think that they know what they want, but what you need to figure right. out is what they need, right? Like yeah. what they actually need and then talk them into it, <laughs> yeah. which is a very certain skill. Yeah. And then have them I had a trainer the who said to me that I asked her like, Laura, I don't want to oversell. I don't want people to walk out with a thousand dollars of silver boxes and a more complicated tomorrow morning. Yes. The that's same. not going to make her come back. That, yes. those, right. that sale, 75% of that's going to come back in returns the next day yes. and she's not going to feel good when she gets home or mm-hmm. she looks at her credit card statement. Yes. So the long-term customer, the one who's going to say, yeah, that was great customer service. I'm going to be back and I'm going to keep shopping with you is the one who, who you know, got what, got what she wanted and maybe a few extra surprises that she yes. didn't realize she wanted. Yes. That's great customer service Surprise too. Light. I love that. Yes. Yeah. You're so right. I can tell you're very yeah, yeah. good at your but, job. So, so you love so working there. I don't think it's there. changed that much. No, I can tell. Even though we're not even talking about what you do right now for a living, I can tell you're very good. You're very yeah. good at what you do. You must have loved working there. Yes. It sounds like you had fun. I had the best time working there. And that's why I was so thrilled that when my time ended and I was going to college, that they invited me to come back and freelance. So I would go and work at the counters every holiday season, spring break, summer vacation. And I did that all through college. And it was perfect because it meant that when I would go to college and I would take classes with either great teachers or with sociopaths, (laughs) I could just put that in its box and say, nobody gives a fuck who Rodney Scott Hudson is at the (laughs) Longcombe County. He's got a name. He's got a name. (laughs) That is... hilarious no. I mean yeah. you know yeah. there's only so many abusive things you can do to young people that you know before it needs to ca- catch up with you Marie Kemp same deal <gasps> yeah. whatever call in their ass out a bad yes. person yes they're, they're bad people they yeah. know the right people. Yeah. but I had an amazing ballet teacher David Wanstreet who oh. is still to this day one of the best teachers I've ever had in my life I love that. all the teachers that I had for Shakespeare were amazing and like creative and and opened up my heart and mind in new ways yes. so that thanks Nicole really Richardi cool. thanks Lizzie Ingram thanks you know, Lisa Porter, thanks to the people at the London and Globe. The Globe, Shakespeare, Shakespeare Globe in London. Oh, my God. That's fucking awesome. That's fucking awesome. I don't know, I know anything about Shakespeare, but I know that that's a big deal. It sounds awesome. The London Globe. That's like, that's the Shakespeare. Yes. 
Okay, so. Oh, what I was going to say, too, is you must have been really good at your job at Lancome for them to be like, we'll have you back whenever you want. Yes, anytime, anytime that you're not in school, please come work for us. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was a good fit because also I was just starting out um, and there were other ladies that I was working with that were freelancers that had been doing it for 20 or 30 years in the business. So I was the new kid on the block and a fast learner and that helped. But yes, to your point, yeah, it was great that they asked me back. And I did notice that at one point when I was starting out and was like, maybe long comes the place to be maybe somewhere else is the place to be there were two occasions that i dropped off my resume at mac mm. and my contact my, my business reference i put down my trainer at Lancome, mm -hmm. and within 24 hours of dropping the resume off on both occasions within 24 hours i got a call from either an account executive from Lancome or somebody from corporate saying we have some extra hours. We would love for you to come in. Oh, wow. They so did getting, not want to lose you. Somebody called somebody. Yeah. Somebody Mac called somebody at Lancome. Yeah. Said, We've got this resume for this person. We'd just love to find out if he's good. Yeah. And they're like, no, he's terrible. Like, come he's back. Awful. Come back more. <laughs> <laughs> they could have done that, but instead they put their money and their dollars and their hours where Smart. I needed them, which yeah. is in my pocket Smart. so I could keep working. So that felt good. So what made the transition for you? Yeah. So where did you go from Lancome? Mm -hmm. I mean, the long story short of it is that I just sort of saw more and more opportunities coming at me. And I didn't like wasting time. Mm -hmm. Again, fast learner. Yes, yes. Are you an Aries? I, I, cancer. Sorry, oh, cancer. Okay. Yeah. Right. But, but I, I had all these opportunities coming to me. Like I, at one point I started working with the PR team for Lancome. And when they would send me out to do models and editors and journalists. And as those opportunities started happening, I... Was really falling into the groove, and as those were coming at me quickly, and I saw that I had a natural talent for this, and that it it didn't have the stress and the sturm und drang that that I still was bringing with me when I would go to an audition, or the lack of confidence that I had while I was working because I had such shitty teachers in some cases for theater, I didn't have that stress or worry when I would do my work mm. as a makeup artist. I just knew. This is a challenging job. This is a trial-by-fire moment. What can I do to be the most prepared for it as possible? What can I sketch out ahead of time? What products can I pack ahead of time? How many hours can I spend looking at swatches of foundation, making sure that I've got every shade I could possibly need? Mm -hmm. That sort of type of work came easily to me, and it motivated me. And, and, and every time I did a job and I would get a picture back and she looked good, I would say, great, what can I do better? Yes. And there was this continually recharging battery that yes. I got as a makeup artist that would encourage me to work harder and keep getting better and keep reaching out to more people to get next opportunities and to keep going. Yeah. And, and that's sort of what made me want to be a makeup artist because I just felt like I was jumping into the current and letting the stream take me while I was swimming. Right. Kind of sounds like being a makeup artist, like, it sounds like it was something fun and creative for you. And so, like, not that it wasn't a job, but, like, coming back to all the other things that you said, it came easily. It came naturally. So you're like, I can do this. Why not? But it sounds like you thoroughly enjoyed it. And I guess maybe I'm projecting a little bit because that's the way that I take it. That's the way that I fell into, like, my industry was it was something I loved working with my hands. I loved women. I loved all these things. And so it kind of, like, just naturally became this thing that I fell into. And it kind of sounds the same for you. Yeah, and what I would clarify about it is that I liked the I liked the parts that were the hard work of being a makeup artist. Yes. I still was 
eager to do that work. Yes. Whereas with acting, I had so many voices swirling in my head and so many things telling me, no, no, no. Every time I would just take a breath to mm. start singing that and all this physical tension that I couldn't get rid of at mm -hmm. that point. So what I found was that there was a freedom with makeup artistry in the hard work, mm -hmm. even if it meant carrying lots of bags around, even if it meant reaching out to dozens of people that didn't know who I was yet and weren't ready to hire me, even if it meant sketching for hours and hours and hours, or even if it meant repacking a kit and repacking it a different way, or spending hours poring over magazines and analyzing it like a scientist and saying, mm -hmm. okay, why does the liner stop there? Or where, does, where was this picture photoshopped and airbrushed? Where was this picture genuinely done you yes. know, in, in an organic way? That sort of work made sense to me, and I, even if I was tired, was still willing to keep doing it. Yeah. There wasn't an emotional block that would get in my way, which is what would happen when I was singing, because I'd been taught a certain way that was not constructive. Right. So that's sort of the point of difference, and that's where I think people need to understand mm -hmm. and what I would want to offer anybody who's trying to get where I'm at, is that don't focus on just what comes easy to you. Don't focus on the platitude of if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. That's nonsense. That's mm -hmm. garbage. If you really want to get somewhere, there's going to be days that are more challenging and there are going to be moments where you're like, I don't necessarily feel confident in this way, mm -hmm. but if I, if I do the work to get better in this space where I have less experience, mm -hmm. it's going to be challenging that's but where if you I grow. do, I'm probably to get somewhere. That's, That's where, where you, you grow. grow. Where you grow is in that the, is in so the fucking true. And being yeah. an esthetician for many years, I can relate to that one thousand. Yes, so percent. much. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott, or go full '90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch, find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. No, and you hit the nail on the head in so many different ways, but specifically in look analyzing your work going back and and maybe because you're a makeup artist it was more natural because you physically could see the pictures in front of you and look at your work but analyzing what you did going back and getting better and not just saying that was good enough saying like where can I improve what can I do better like one of my favorite podcasts is Dolly Parton's America and we talked about this because she says this like when she was working with what's his name on the on the show her first big show that guy she was like I didn't really like him that much but what I loved about him was every at the end of every episode we would go back and he would make me watch myself and learn how to be great and learn how to talk to the camera and correct my mistakes and fix my mistakes. And so when Alex and I first started the podcast, I was like, we're going to dolly this every episode, every single episode. We need to listen to it and listen intently and get better. And with anything that you do, like anything that we do for sure, 
I mean, the guy's brow artist, dude. People have no idea how many hours I spent just drawing fucking brow hairs before I could like become a great microblading artist. How many faces I would look at just like my boyfriend was like, you are a woman possessed. You need to stop looking at eyebrows. But I knew that that was the only way to get better was just like looking at so many yeah. faces. Whatever. I'm taking over your tangent. No, but- you're completely right. You're completely yeah. right. It's that analysis and that continually expanding our, our knowledge mm-hmm. that makes us powerful. Yes. And the problem, whether it's being the best brow artist you can be or a statistician you can be or makeup artist or just human running around the world, the problem that we are faced with right now is that technology is set up so that it is going to show us more of what we already know. Mm-hmm. This is really, we are at a turning point. And Nicole Hollis from Beauty Votes, and I talk about this all the time, we are at a very important point in our society because the People, and it's largely white men, who have started a lot of the, the tech companies and the social medias and algorithms. It is very much beneficial to them that we spend as much time as possible on the apps. Mm-hmm. And the way that they get, have gotten us to do that is by giving us the same thing we've already told them that we like. Yes. So, for example, in the beauty space, if you like pictures of brows because mm-hmm. you're a brow artist and you're doing a good job studying, it's going to show you more and more pictures of brows because mm-hmm. every time you like it yeah. you leave a comment it's going to be like oh more she brows. likes brows better show her more brows yeah. but what it's not going to show you is it's not going to show you more pictures of lipstick mm-hmm. so you might not be great at doing micropigmenting on lips right. or it might not show you different mas- facial massage techniques that an esthetician should know about right. or could, could learn from. Mm-hmm. And same thing with makeup artistry. If, if it's only showing you pictures of liquid liner, then you're not going to realize that there's a whole other side of makeup that's not about big dramatic eyes, but it's about very natural, minimal eye makeup. Mm-hmm. And you might miss that, and you might start to do only one type of makeup. And there's nothing inherently ethically wrong about liking just certain things that you like and having favorites and driving on one, in one lane. There's nothing wrong with that but it is limiting and that same exact thing that's happening that can make us smaller as estheticians makeup artists brow artists it can make us smaller and narrow our career Mm -hmm. it can also narrow our view of the world and weaken us as lgbtq people as women as people of color yes and the problem with that is that it doesn't let us necessarily know the entire scape there's no gray area there's no gray area everything is black and white and that's so far from the reality of life and it's like you don't walk down the street and everybody doesn't have a fucking liquid liner on you see a liquid liner you see a no liner Mm -hmm. you see a soft liner you see like so much and like I'm sure as a New Yorker, you'll probably agree. That's what makes New York so great is like the diversity of everything. And that's what makes us all great artists is seeing all of that shit and bringing it into your own and like creating something completely new, not just like the same, the same, the same, the same. That's why it's so weird to go to these cities and you're just like, everybody here looks the fucking same. (laughs) What is is going on? (laughs) And that's what Instagram has become. I think that's true with ideas as well. Because... When it comes to social progress, and this is important to me to talk about because when you look at the beauty community, look at look at the, the diversity of the beauty community and who's actually working for cosmetic lines and who's mm-hmm. actually a makeup artist or going to a statistician school or going to hair school. Mm-hmm. Um, when you actually look at that, that's women, people of color, LGBTQ people, young people. Mm-hmm. And the thing that we're not always aware of is how powerful we are because we've been told 
either because we work in a salon and we have to make tips and we want every customer to leave happy or because we are makeup artists working in TV and film or fashion and the photographer is the one who has the final say or the advertising client's the one who has the final say and we've got to do what they want. Mm -hmm. Or if you're a celebrity makeup artist, you're going to do whatever your celebrity wants. We often put ourselves last Mm -hmm. professionally. But again, when you look at that group of who's working in the community, you've got people of color, women, LGBTQ people, young people. And guess what? Those are the same people who also put their needs last Mm -hmm. as well. Ask any mother who comes first in her life. She's going to tell you her children. Mm -hmm. Ask any person of color when you're walking down the street, whose needs are you going to put first? Are you going to put your need to to feel free and to laugh and be Mm -hmm. loud first? Or are you going to put the needs of that cop who's ready to pop off Mm -hmm. first? You're going to put their needs first to protect yourself. Mm -hmm. And so why this is so important for us to think about is because, again, young people, people of color, LGBTQ people, women, Mm-hmm. We make up 65.5% of the voting population in America. Mm. And we have been told to be cute, wow. especially in the beauty world. We've been told to be cute. Yeah. We've been told to be quiet. Mm-hmm. We've been told to be agreeable. Mm-hmm. And guess what? That messes us up really badly when it comes to fighting for our rights. Yes. Because then it means that on social media, what's going to go viral is the moments where things are cute or adorable yes. or agreeable or non-political. Yes. And that gets right. into our brains, and we think that that's all that we stand for. Yes. And that's wrong. And what was the, I think the most important beauty trend of 2020 is those of us in the beauty community that 65 and, who mirror the 65.5% of the voting population, mm-hmm. us realizing that we are more than just cute and adorable. Mm-hmm. We realized we are not alone. We are not alone in the desire to speak our minds, in the desire to be political. Yes. And we have a responsibility to do so. Yes. Yes. We have a responsibility Fuck to do yes. so, honestly. When everything was coming out with the magazines and like all these editors and all of these women who were just saying that they had like these awful times, I was just looking at these huge names that to me are like big names in beauty. And I'm like, so why are you going to Vogue? Like I know that Vogue, yes, right. like it has that power, but like look at all, look at the power that is just within this one feed of all of these women that like go make our own shit. We are living in this technology age where like look at us, we've got two fucking microphones and like a computer, and we're broadcasting this to the world. Why can't you do that with anything? You can do that with everything. Like True. we don't need these traditional mainstream. Like yes, you need the help. Yes, you need somebody to give you that boost. But like that's the fast way. The slow way is doing it one by one, one person at a time, right. and you can do it that way too. But like the all of them have K's next to their names. I don't have a K next to my name. But that's why. And yes, I completely agree with you. And I think that's where we have to support small business. Mm-hmm. We have to support small media. Yes. Like. The bloggers have, have become a very powerful force, obviously. Like, it's been over 10 years that they've been a powerful force. And and micro-influencers as well. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's important to remember that when you look at the top, 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 top influencers on social media, there is a lot of similarity on their platforms. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people who are either cis-passing or white passing, who do a lot of the same exact type of makeup, Mm -hmm. or who are very Mm non-political. And those are not necessarily the people that should have as much power in the industry as they do. 
I want to, again, I, I, I want to see Sabrina from Natural by Sabs. Mm-hmm. I want to, she's a micro-influencer in my mind yeah. because she does a little bit of everything and she learns from working with these celebrities. She, that Those infuse her brain mm-hmm. and her, her heart with different ideas and viewpoints. David Yee from Very Good Light, mm-hmm. another person who is bringing new ideas to the beauty community that need to be heard and that are, yeah, guess what? He doesn't have... 10 million followers on Instagram. But the person who does have 10 million followers on Instagram, is he really showing up for the beauty community and for all women and all LGBTQ people? Mm-mm. No. Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. Yeah. Like, yeah. look look at someone like Sir John, who um, has a mix of content on his site, mm-hmm. and will sometimes talk about his personal life and sometimes address political things or sometimes address things that are wrong with, that could be better within the beauty community, yeah. and also showing you amazing, amazing celebrity makeup artists. Yeah. That diversity, like, that variety of content mm-hmm. is, is not going to necessarily make you the the Manny makeups or, or you know, the, the Jeffree stars, and they're not going right. to make you a Kardashian. Yeah. But you know what? you're going to be doing work that resonates with people in a deeper level. Yeah. And I'm going to say yes. why that's so important and it's proof. And I, why I truly believe this is proof and important is because there's an emptiness that a lot of us feel in those moments where we're, where, not all day long, but those occasional moments mm-hmm. where like you get tired and you start to zone out and you yeah. start to scroll on social media. Yes. The that's not a life affirming, life changing moment. Yes. That's not like I'm zoning out. I'm putting my brain in an ice bucket and I'm mindlessly scrolling through. Those are the moments that we're going to feel more and more of on social media as it's been. Mm -hmm. But when people get on Clubhouse or they join conversations with Beauty Votes and BeautyVotes.org, these are richer, deeper conversations that we've all been longing to have because we know we don't want to just see trans people that look cis. Mm -hmm. We don't want to just see people of color who look white. Mm -hmm. We don't just want to see gay boys who look beautiful in beautiful, gorgeous makeup, that's not the only version of queer people, people of color, and women yes. that we need to see, and that who should be the spokespeople for our communities. Yes, There needs to be a leveling out and a spreading of the wealth, mm-hmm. because otherwise we are going to find within our own communities that there becomes a 1% of beauty influencers. Mm-hmm. There becomes a 1% of people making money within our intersectional diverse communities Mm -hmm. and how well has that worked out for us having one percent of any population influencing what happens to us yeah yeah good lots of good points (sighs) so many things wow and the good news of this is that at the end of the day the most powerful thing that we have is (laughs) other than turning off our social media apps the most powerful thing we have is the search bar Mm. and don't get me wrong google is also problematic but there's also what sites like Good Search, um, which is a really great algorithm, a really great search engine you can use, like Good Search as opposed to Google. Okay, that's I one didn't of know many that. suggestions. Yeah, I forgot there was anything outside I know, of Google. I didn't to know be either. Honest. Thank <laughs> you for that. <laughs> and Google's going to do the same thing that Jeff Bezos is going to do on Amazon, yeah. that Zuckerberg's going yeah. to do on Facebook. They're going to yep. show us more of the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. What's the movie that um, Netflix thing called? Oh, the Social Project. No, not no. the Social Project. The, um, the Social. Um, the Social Network. The Social Dilemma. So- social Dilemma. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes, that's a pl- we're plugging the Social Dilemma. If you guys are listening to this right now and you don't know exactly what we're talking about in terms yeah. of the algorithm showing you the same shit, please go home and watch the Social Dilemma as soon as you turn this off. I thought that I knew everything. I didn't know shit, and after watching it, it made. The Capitol riots make sense. It's just making 
everything that we're talking about makes sense. It's a really like musty film for anybody who has a computer, quite honestly. I think any one of us that, and myself included, who was shocked and surprised that Trump got elected, I feel like part of that is because of social media algorithms. Mm-hmm. Because they're set up again to show us what we already have seen before. Mm-hmm. And it's like, this is not a fast food restaurant. This is our lives. Mm -hmm. It's not like you have to get the same thing again and again. This is like much more serious than that. This is literally these algorithms that will let us believe that the world we want to see is is the true world. Yes. And so if you only look at content, and I'm, I'm sitting here with these two amazing women in front of me on this podcast from Brooklyn who are very well worldly and very you know well researched and and talked to lots of amazing people so i'm thrilled to be here first of all but but more important (laughs) but in this context also like you guys go out there and you learn and you have these conversations but like that's not what facebook is trying to get you to all to do yeah facebook is just perfectly willing to let us say hey guess what i guess everybody's mad at trump i guess there's no chance he's gonna win i guess it's it's gonna be a super landslide Mm -hmm. you know what i mean They're perfectly willing to let us believe that Mm -hmm. because it only helps us say Facebook's great. Everybody's mad at Trump. Every time I sign on, I I see all these people who are progressive and everything's going to change. It's going to get better. It's like that is not the world, Mm -hmm. but that is what social media benefits Mm -hmm. from tricking us into believing. Yeah. And do you know what, man? I prefer when people have something else to say. I prefer when people disagree with me. I don't want people just to be like, yes me all the time. Like, I want to, I mean, you said it perfectly. Teach me like, shit. I, teach me shit. <laughs> I want to learn. Tell me why I'm wrong. Tell me why I shouldn't say this or like how this is offensive or like, yeah, man. I, I mean, I guess, but that's also asking a lot of people. I, I tell this to people, <laughs> to white people all the time when they're just like, it's just fear. We just have to show people that they're afraid. It's like, that's asking a lot of people. It's asking people to look in the mirror and say, oh, I'm the asshole. And that's kind of what right. I'm doing right now is asking you to tell me how I'm the asshole but that's because I want to get better so just because I'm a people pleaser and I want everybody to like me so I need you to tell me how I'm fucking up yeah yeah so maybe oh man so many you dropped so many great things I I know know like how to (laughs) it was like damn damn pick them up right those those search menus they need to change they need to improve good search is just one site that I have mentioned Clubhouse is a new is a new app that you can use um, where you can have these more thoughtful conversations. Mm-hmm. Akela Warabi is, is an amazing voice. Um, if you haven't had a podcast, I would love to hear what you three would talk about together. Oh, please set us up an introduction if you know. I will. I will. Yes, I will. Yes, I would love yeah, it. These richer conversations, and I, I think podcasts are doing a lot to kind of give us a chance to not just sort of pop off, yes, but to challenge each other and to surprise each other. Yes, um, but that. That search, whether it's on searching online, whether it's searching in our hearts, searching at the local public libraries, that's where we have this power to change this. Mm-hmm. That's where we have the power to say, you know, what happened in the 60s that's similar to what's happening now? What happened, you know, to, to the LGBT community in the 90s with the AIDS crisis that's similar to what's happening in COVID? Mm-hmm. We have to honor the past yes. in a different way because we are our super... I think good right now at honoring ourselves as individuals at at honoring our own individual voices. Mm -hmm. I think what we can get better at as people of color, as women, as LGBTQ people, as makeup artists, we can get a lot better at 
celebrating the accomplishments and the work of lots of different generations. Mm. Because that history is going to definitely get lost and we're going to see the bad things in history repeat. Or we can see progress and leaps in progress repeat. But we're not Mm going to get there by treating every day as a brand new day. Mm -hmm. It's got to be a continuation of what happened yesterday. Yes, yes. It's true. It's so true. So many great things. I want to use this moment to plug that uh, Angela Davis is alive and well. And she is so alive and well that you can Google Angela Davis email and it pops up. (laughs) Like her, her email address that like I compared it to like this is like if Martin Luther King was still alive and you Googled him and he was just working at SUNY Purchase and there was his email address right there. <laughs> so I'm saying it because my dream is to have Angela Davis on this podcast. And if we can like say that out loud and whoever's listening out there, spread the message because right now her ass is gonna be like, Look, bitch, I'm I'm teaching. I'm busy. <laughs> who are you? But people like this, people who are revolutionaries, Angela Davis had the FBI looking at for her at the age of 25 years old was the number one most wanted criminal in America for not for doing shit she didn't do anything but like that woman overcame so much and she's still alive and well and is teaching like people like this exactly what you're saying who have been through these these uh, revolutions who have been through anything anything that you want to learn that are there and that are willing to teach you and that are willing to listen or have podcasts or have documentaries like we just need to we need to do the work. Yeah, we need to keep to shit alive. Yeah, and I completely agree with you. And you know, it's like if you want to get Angela Davis on this podcast, I think that would be amazing. Yeah. I bet I, I bet anyone would have fun with you guys. Oh, you should oh. reach out to her. Would be my my suggestion. Oh, I am going to, um, but I need to and, let the and, listeners know. You guys need to tell her too. <laughs> get get it trending, you guys. Like break this. We already know how the system works against us, but let's get the social media system yes. to work with us to yes. get Angela Davis on this podcast. <laughs> and I would I would add that. What you just said, I think, is is a great little example of how we automatically start. Like, you said you're going to do it, so you already changed, flipped the script. But at first, I was like, oh, she's going to say, oh, I would love to have her here, but maybe. But that's such a big dream, it'll never happen. Oh, no, no. I looked up the Elizabeth email doesn't say that. <laughs> I didn't think so. I didn't think so. <laughs> but we're all new friends, so I wasn't that's true, sure yet. That's true. Yeah. Um, I'm I literally like, the dream of She does not have... need my advice, that's for sure. <laughs> I'm the dream of um, have dreams so big that you are afraid to tell people. People don't know about all the shit that we're about to do. I'll tell you, Andrew. Oh, that's what I love to hear. <laughs> and I love to hear more people say that because what we what we often forget, again, and I'm going to say that, that, that group again, as women, young people, LGBTQ people, single women, we so often think that we are alone. Not in, in any one particular way, but in lots of ways. And sometimes that we think that we're alone is, is in the ideas and in the wanting more. Yes. And the thinking that we deserve more, but being afraid to ask for it yes. or to demand it or to say to a friend, that, you know, who you think you're, is a work colleague, I better not get political. It's like, well, guess what? Voting is not political. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a, that's a, that's it's a, a civil right. service. It's a civil service. It's a responsibility. Mm-hmm. And, and that is just one example of voting, like, or, or that everybody should make a living wage or that showing up and, and, you know, doing a magazine for $89 to assist another makeup artist for $89 after you take away, you know, the fees, the fees and the taxes or whatever, wow. like that, that's an acceptable amount of money to make for a 12 hour day. Oh First God. of all, it's, that's illegal. But things like that, like when you start to talk about this with other people, you start to realize that you are not alone. Like this is a good thing. No one of us is so special that we've come up with a 
grand idea about how the world could be that nobody else hasn't thought of too. Yeah. They're just not saying it. And we're not saying it to each other. And a lot of people, rich white men at the top, mm-hmm. are going to benefit yes. from us not talking about it. Yes. And beautyvotes.org, again, it's an organization that I'm so proud to be working with because in the four days leading up to the election in November, in the four days, I did 22 interviews with people of color, white people, beauty influencers of all types, celebrity makeup artists, journalists, celebrity hairstylists, makeup artists from Virginia, um, makeup artists from from New Mexico, makeup artists that only do weddings, Mm -hmm. makeup artists that have beauty brands, beauty founders. Yes. Like KJ Miller from Mented. Yes. Wait, did KJ? No, KJ didn't come to the one in November, but she came to other stuff. My point is this. My big discovery with Beauty Votes and in those four days leading up to the elections is that we are ready as a community, as individuals, as individuals we are ready to talk about things in the beauty space that are not just about trends, Mm -hmm. that are not just about techniques, Mm -hmm. that are not just about how to look Instagram beautiful Mm -hmm. or cisgender beautiful Mm -hmm. or or white passing beautiful. Mm -hmm. We're we're so ready to talk about these other things Mm -hmm. and to talk about representation as more than just making 50 shades. Yes. Making 50 shades does not make you an ally to the, to the, to, to people of color. Mm -hmm. It doesn't. No, it makes you you want to sell some shit to us. It makes right. you want to sell It makes yeah, you it. a good business person. Yes. And right. I love the pull up or shut up campaign. Mm-hmm. And that's a good piece of the puzzle. But I also don't want people to think that just because L'Oreal is going to start to hire more black women, that that means that, again, that they're allies. Like, who's, who is there? Well, they might be, C- hopefully, like CFOs and CMOs. And, yes. And, and, like, love that idea. Yes. But I also want to make sure. Who are they reporting to at the tippity tippity top? Mm-hmm. Who are the shareholders, and where are they donating their money to? Yes, because they're still the ones at the very tippity top mm-hmm. that are making the most money. Oh yes. What politicians are they supporting? Yes, because if they're giving money to the wrong people, look very carefully at any brand that that markets itself towards Latinas or towards mm-hmm. Black women or to trans people as well. Look really closely and see who is really making those products. Mm-hmm. Who is really doing it? Because we know that black women represent, I shouldn't show out a number, but billions of dollars towards the American economy. Billions. Like these are very yes. easy numbers to Google. I'm sorry yes. I don't have these memorized. Oh, oh stop. But, but Thank um, you. a quick Google search, anybody can find this out. Yes. People of color are such a powerful demographic that it's like these companies, these big businesses are going to do the minimum that they can do to just, in a non-controversial way, to show please. for equality to get those dollars. Mm-hmm. But we've come, and why they're so able to do that, to give with one hand and then take with the other. It's it's like they, they might do something that sounds nice, but then what are they doing that you don't hear about? It's true. I still That's can't so, buy Goya. I'm done with oh Goya. Oh, God. I know. I know. I had no it's idea true. my life. Also, a lot of people don't understand how the beauty industry works as far as like there's a handful of companies that own everything, everything. Everything. I don't think people realize that because even brands that seem small. Yeah. No, like Estee Lauder, (laughs) L'Oreal and 
LVMH Johnson own everything. Johnson. Yeah, they just fucking own, they own everything. everything. And I think that that is really important to look at. Yes, you're absolutely right, 100%. And it's and also beyond, why it's I so mean. important to support these smaller companies because, yes, even though I think that, like, Carol's daughter, I think, was bought by L'Oreal. L'Oreal, yeah. But, like... You're absolutely right. Is yes, you can support Carol's daughter, but who's L'Oreal supporting? And I'm not saying I don't know who they're supporting. I'm not saying it's like good or bad or anything. I'm not trying to uh, accuse anybody of anything. But yeah. in this, well, we can look it up. But we can because, look it up because, exactly. Yeah, you know, there's certain amounts of money that businesses have to disclose mm-hmm. when they donate to politicians. Um, but then there's also a lot of dark money that they give to super PACs, mm-hmm. and so you don't. They don't have to disclose mm-hmm. in the same ways exactly. Wow. So there's a lot that that. that it's harder to find out, and but I think that's where we day. rely on each other. And we, you know, this information though, it's not, it's not super hidden. Like you can Google us yeah. and find this out. Yeah. Right. I mean, the reality of the situation, and like I'm not anti-capitalist because I'm a realist, and this is the where we live. So I'm not going to pretend like it's not going to last for the next six hundred years. But that's the problem with capitalism: is that capitalism is whoever makes the most control shit. And so, yeah. regardless, like. I mean, whoever just gave Trump a bunch of money just turned around and gave it all to Biden because he's the one that's in control now. It's like they they have there's not really that much of a moral compass when it comes to capitalism. And that's why I think that our generation is very upset and is like Bezos, just give them a living wage and give them insurance. It's not asking that much. But like that's capitalism is like he has to be the one to decide that morally if that's something that he wants to do or not. And it's like that's why also it's important to support the K.J. Millers and the um the lip, lip bar. Lip bar, yeah, bar, yeah. Yes. The okay. lip bar. And yeah. it was a bar. Yes, exactly. We need to support yeah. the lip bar. We need to support, you know, uh, Black Girl Sunscreen. We need to support in, even the smaller ones. Like, we need to support your great brand, which I want to save time to talk about also. Because I know that you just started that and that's very new. But it's it's important to, to support the smaller brands before they get swallowed up by the bigger brands. Because they're still independent. It's still just going to KJ Miller and, like, all of her employees or what have you. It's not going to the L'Oreal's and the Estee Lauder's and whomever else is yeah, at the Yeah, they have enough. They have enough. And, like, yes, <laughs> we enough. want them to get bought because that's, I guess, the American dream. That's their decision if they want to get bought or not. So this is... Well, and I think we have to also consider that the business model that is celebrated on Shark Tank is not the only business model that, that can exist. Mm-hmm. Like, there are plenty of companies out there that are privately owned that do great things. Mm-hmm. And... I also think that when I watch Shark Tank, and I'm so glad you brought up Lip Bar, um, there's there's two sort of takeaways from, from that. Um, what I love about Shark Tank and what I love about that Lip Bar example is that they were basically called cockroaches. Yes. And she was like, first of all, how dare you? Yes. And then, um, because in his mind, there wasn't a way to grow that business and for it to become the next Maybelline, to become the next L'Oreal. And it's like, guess what? To have a fabulous life with all... To everything that I will ever need and everything that I will ever want and to empower um, other people around me, to hire great people. I don't need to become the next L'Oreal. Mm-hmm. So that Shark Tank mentality of, of let's support small business, let's give people a chance, let's give people the big break, let's support how hard these people are working and putting in the elbow grease and mm-hmm. the hours, let's support that, love that half don't love the half that says the only way your business has any value mm-hmm. and meaning for existing is if you can become a multi-billion dollar brand. Mm-hmm. That sounds cute and all, but that's only one way to live your life. Yes. 
dumb yeah. lady who made those mittens that Bernie Sanders wore oh, yeah. has done to me. She's kind of been, been writing back like, hey, I, I think she's a teacher. And she's like, I can't make every single person in America these Bernie Sanders mittens. So and like, cute. guess what? I'm a small business. That's how I'm going to be. That's yeah. my life. Yeah. Mad That's props awesome. to her. That's awesome. Because you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. We don't all need to feed into the lie that that everybody wants to or needs to make a billion dollars. Yeah, but I think it's also why it's going to take a long time to shift things because especially nowadays, everyone's so used to like, you get everything immediately. Mm -hmm. You don't, I ordered um, some pottery, some ceramics on Etsy and it was like, you know, the guy messaged me. He's like, it won't be ready for three to four weeks. And at first I was like, damn it. And then I was like, no, duh. This dude has to make this shit, you know? And I'm also not the only customer, but it's like, I think that's very hard for people. Mm -hmm. And it's very important for us if we want things to shift. Yeah. And that's the beauty of small business. And that's why I loved all those interviews I did in June. And that's why I started Oracle Jane Station was because I just realized that small businesses, we have to honor and celebrate what we can do that big businesses can't. Mm -hmm. If a L'Oreal is not going to make a, a, a lip gloss unless they can make a million tubes of it and sell a million tubes of it, then it's like, you know, that's fine for them. But it's like, what can you get the benefits of if you make only 50 or 100 tubes of it? The other day, you know, I made a block of soaps, a loaf of soaps, and I made 10 bars. And it was because it was an experiment. And I put a different fragrance in there and I made like a cranberry lemonade inspired soap. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna sell them. They're gonna be. They're great. They smell amazing. The texture's great. The formula's mm-hmm. rich. But there's only ten bars of them mm-hmm. because I know that it doesn't really fit with my brand. There's not like a rich story behind it the way there is with my El Arroyo soap, my Red Rocks soap. There's not like the soap that's got my grandmother, my grandmother's face imprinted on it. Like there's not mm-hmm. a rich story to this. So I'm like, I'm not gonna make a hundred bars of this or a thousand bars of this. I'm gonna make ten. And call it a day, and it was a fun whim. I'll put it on social media, and if ten people are like, "Ooh, something fun to try," that's just different. I haven't done before. Great, let me get him. Let me get. Let me get one. Yeah. That's a fun thing that you can go to as a limited edition from a small business that you're never going to get yes. from a major major brand. Mm-hmm. Like I remember, even L'Oreal would do these things where they would come out. Not L'Oreal, but one of the one of the brands under L'Oreal that they mm-hmm. own. They would come out with these amazing limited edition lipsticks, but then that lipstick six months later would have a different name and be in a different tube. Mm. And it's like, the, it's the it's the same lipstick that was money. limited edition. It, I was yeah. like, then it wasn't really special, was it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. They got you good. They got good. <laughs> they know. <laughs> they know how. I'm all about it. Yeah. All yeah. about it. Okay. Yeah. So tell us about the inspiration for your incredible company, Oracle Jane Station. I love that name. Can we tell us a little bit about the name and what you are selling and how people can support you? Oracle Jane Station is named after Oracle Jane's Station, which is a street in Arizona, in Tucson. And it was named after a train station. And so Oracle Jane Station is kind of like my trading post because it's it was meant to be firstly about my luxury perfumes. They're made with organic, sustainably grown cane alcohol, mm-hmm. um, not, not, not synthetic alcohol that every perfume is normally made out of. It's made with organic or wild sourced essential oils that are not made with hexane or chemical um it's not made with chemicals to 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 extract extract, them right right the traditional ways yes um it's not an absolute 
I got you. Not right. I, do, I have two absolutes in my brand, but they're made with grape alcohol ah. to um, to extract them. That's that cognac. Um, but normally, normally absolutes like tobacco absolute, I wanted to have in my brand. Mm-hmm. But so far, I haven't found an organic grown tobacco, and I haven't found a brand that's that's making it without a chemical solvent like hexane. Mm, right. But I found it with cocoa. I was mm. able to get a organic solvent that I could use. Um, or with um, a coffee, I have a, I think it's a coffee absolute as well that's uh, made with an organic solvent um, as well. Love but um, those are really rare and hard to find. And I didn't even use um, a denaturant to um, wow. make it uh, sellable because you can't just put alcohol and put, put you know vodka in a bottle right. with essential oil and sell it. You will be breaking a lot of <laughs> a lot of <laughs> liquor laws. But um, I found a way to do it. We're using actual essential oils so that it's compliant with the FDA but also safe for people to use at home mm. and smells amazing. I can't wait to try yeah. some. I need a new perfume. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. It's all inspired by by, by Arizona Ooh. because the experiences of watching the rain come down and then the wash, the creek running behind my grandparents' house, mm-hmm. that inspired my scent that is inspired by the smell of the desert in Tucson after it rains. Wow. That sounds so nice. I just yes. got the chills. Yeah, it smells great. It sounds great, right? Yeah, it sounds incredible. Yeah, yeah I have no yeah, idea what the desert sounds like, but I need it. Well, the desert, there's this plant called chaparral, and it releases its fragrance when the water touches the leaves and the branches. Mm. So I figured out a way to extract that fragrance. Wow. And someone else figured out in Arizona how to extract the essential oil. So together... Um, I've got extracts and essential oil, and I think I'm the first luxury beauty brand to actually do that. Wow. So I combined it with these sort of new ingredients that you haven't tried before, like chaparral, and paired it up with ingredients like jasmine mm. and myrrh that are super, super premium, mm-hmm. that are not what you get at a Bed Bath & Beyond. Yeah. They're not what you get at a Bath & Body Works. They're like the actual essential oils, the actual This is resins. so cool. And also, like, jasmine only opens up at night as well right like jasmine that's why it's so special because i think it only opens up at night to release its fragrance wow i'm pretty positive and that because that's one of the reasons it's so so expensive and so luxury so i love that you've got these two beautiful flowers that only uh release their fragrance in these special moments it sounds so magical that's really awesome that's really yeah i started this brand because i i just felt like you know um, Fragrances have always been marketed to us as, as emotional experiences. And like, this is a sexy perfume. This is what it feels like when you're running around with your girlfriends, you know, on a Saturday night. Or this is what it feels like to, to be in a black and white movie and, and a guy who's shirtless, you know, and looks Italian and comes right. back and kisses you. Like, <laughs> it's all very similar. And it's like, the, the problem is that none of that usually has any connection to nature. It usually doesn't have any reflection of what these botanicals actually smell like Mm -hmm. but it's like what does it smell like i I emailed my cousin and i was like what does it really smell like when you stepped into my grandmother's house and you smell the laundry room Mm. or what does it smell like when my sister and my grandmother my aunt got out of the car on the way to the grand canyon and we stepped out in sedona and we saw red rocks and red hills in front of us that were lined with pine trees in Arizona. Like, what does that smell like? What does that feel like? That smells like pine. It smells like fresh air. Mm -hmm. And and it feels like uplifting Mm -hmm. and exciting. 
that's what a perfume is supposed to do. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't all just smell like Armani Code. It shouldn't all <laughs> just smell like a knockoff version of Chanel Number no. Five. Right. It shouldn't all just just smell like a knockoff version of Carrie Mugler's Angel. Right. Like these are the, some or or a knockoff version of Lancome Tresor, which I sold for years and women loved it, so I don't feel bad about selling it. But I'm like, does Lancome Tresor actually smell like roses? Because every time you talk about it, you're like, it's got roses, and I'm like. When was the last time you smelled a rose that smelled like Lancome Tresor? Right. I remember what that right. smelled like. It was in that like funny shaped bottle, right? Like the diamond, yeah. yeah. And don't get me wrong, like if you love that the way that smells, that's fabulous. Like authors, if it smells so like your perfume. grandmother, that's yeah, fabulous. exactly. Very perfumey. Like when I like those very perfumes are yes. very perfumey. There's you're absolutely right. I There's think of certain nothing people natural about that. that, and it's like such. Yeah, you think of certain people about that, yeah. and it's, uh, when you think like of my that, my teachers but it's like, in elementary school. Yeah, and it's just so like. Maybe because we work with natural products, but when I smell perfume, I just smell chemicals. I don't smell like exactly what you're saying because I know what a rose smells like. I don't smell yeah. fucking rose. I just smell chemicals. And I think with the success of Le Labo, I think that shows that more people are turning back towards the real essence of perfumery and really like the high notes and the low notes and the middle notes and actually smelling what these things actually smell like, not these weird chemical yeah. versions of what they want you it's to true. believe a rose smells like. I can't wait to smell. I'm going to buy it before I even smell it. And I just want to, because the way you described it, I can't wait. I've never been excited to smell a perfume before. (laughs) Same. Well, you know, even like my latest perfumes, I did a co-collection, a dual collection called Howl and Held. And sort of my cute little cheeky tagline is, do you want to be held or do you want to howl? Mm. And so it's kind of got a Valentine's Day theme to it. It's it's my sexy collection. And um, everybody who smells it sort of has that same reaction. They're like, that is a sexy perfume. Mm -hmm. But but what held smells sweeter and more romantic. It's got the cocoa absolute in it. It's got neroli, which is which Mm. is um, a citrus type of tree. Love neroli. Neroli. So beautiful. So Mm. um, uh, elegant. It's a very like el- like when I smell Neroli, I'm like that is a bad bitch. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> she's got her life yeah. together. She's That's probably got a good pedicure yeah. and a manicure in June. And don't <laughs> don't just get Neroli from anywhere. You gotta you want to go high end, even if you get like a tiny bottle or you know you gotta go high end with some of these ingredients mm-hmm. because if you read the labels or you read what the brands are about, they can say this is our Neroli soap. And I'm like I know for a fact that there is no Neroli in that product because it would break down so much that Mm. this would have to be a $1,000 bar of soap that would irritate your skin for you to possibly put enough essential oil in it to smell like Neroli. I know that that is a chemical perfume in there. You know it's wrong to say say that because that's doing the same thing that as a small brand or as as, um, some of these natural inspired brands but that actually are not natural. Like you're just convincing somebody that they're getting something that they're not. Yes. So what I've actually done is that different products will, will, like I've got a matching soap that's a salt bar soap that has its own version of the scent in it, but I'm not trying to match my Howl perfume with my Howl bar soap. They're going to go together. The story's going to make sense. It's going to be a sexy bar. It's got black pepper essential oil in it. It's got vetiver. So when you spray that sexy woodsy spicy howl perfume mm-hmm. and you use the howl bar they're going to work together to make you smell amazing and feel amazing and feel sexy but i'm not going to put a garwood which is a very rare very precious perfume i'm not going to put that essential oil into my bar soap 
just to make it smell the same because that's how marketing works. I'm going to put something that's going to be sustainable and that's going to work together. You know, it's about authenticity at the end of the day. Yeah. Sounds so nice. It sounds incredible. Mm -hmm. I'm definitely, honestly, I've been looking at your site and I was like, well, let me talk to him first, but I'm definitely going to grab some perfume for sure. Yeah, I think I will too. Yeah, sounds really lovely. Before we say goodbye, do you want to do a segment? Yes, I was so excited about this. Yes. And then I was going to write out answers ahead of time because you sent me the questions and then I forgot. Um, because who knew, who knew that it was hard to like start a small business, prepare for right. your next TV job, save democracy, yes. and stay safe in the middle of a pandemic all, in a day all at the same God. time? I don't know how women do it. <laughs> You got it. You got it. <laughs> so good. So I didn't know then, but I'm older now. It's just, um, okay, so you were talking about your fantastic tie that you wore to prom. I, for years, two years, <laughs> thought that a satin tie was a great idea. And nobody could tell me that I wasn't fucking looking good. And that's the point of the segment. It's, at the time, nobody f- could fucking tell you that you were wrong. But now you're a little bit older, a little bit wiser. And you know better now. My only version of things that I look back on that that I'm like, I wish I, you know, my style was different then or something like that. I, I that that's not a thing that I ever go, want to go back and change. Is, is I how that. I styled. Like if I had my first time doing anything dramatic to my hair, I had convinced my mom to let me bleach my hair, but she was like, okay, but we got to go to J C Penny and Chris, who who always cuts your hair, she's gonna do the color, so we do it right and so it looks good. I love and that. then it kept getting delayed, so finally I go into the cabinet. I steal um, a jar of Sally Hansen, like, bleach. Like mustache bleach? Yeah, that same, <laughs> that same stuff. Um, but I, 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 I stole that, and then I basically, like, just blended it over the entire top of my oh, head. Oh, yes. my I, God. My dad woke me up the next morning. I was like, what did you do to your hair? And it was, like, terracotta, like, orange. Oh, my God. And I was living. You couldn't tell me nothing. <laughs> Like, at the end of the day, it was just, like, me having fun. Yes. And, you know, I used to get those bleaching kits with, like, the, the conditioner and, like, the, the, the everything in it. And I remember doing it for prom. I remember doing it on, like, probably a random Tuesday in, in February. <laughs> like, just bleaching my entire head, like, close to platinum as possible. Yes. And, um, you know, it would – obviously, this was not, like, a toner sort of moment. But, like, <laughs> I looked like I was in a Gus Van Sant movie. I looked like I was in a boy band. You couldn't tell me nothing. And I like, when I, love I it. and now I, I shave my head, but like yeah. in the last year before I did that, I was doing the same thing. I was like bleaching it, like yeah. really, really blonde, and then it would grow out, and then I bleach it again. And um, of course, I work with some of the best hairdressers in the industry. Yes. And I would walk in, and some would be like, "Oh my god, that's amazing!" And some would be like, "You need to tone that." <laughs> and I'd be like, "No, I don't do toners." Sorry, that was Just, Sabrina. And eventually, Sabrina I was did. Like, like eventually, I got like do? the purple shampoo and all that. Yeah. But I was also like that's fine if I want it for the days that I want to be platinum but also I like having this like yellow sort of straw undertone because guess what that is a cultural reference that you may not be appreciating right now but that cultural reference is 90s gay boy having fun I 90s gay boy having fun that needs to be the name of like a color (laughs) (laughs) yes Yes. So or of something. I don't no, know. A hair it's color funny. is perfect. That's so good. We got to get that 128 box of Crayola crayons. Yes. And relabel every color. Yes. And there's like a nice golden 
nice golden shade of yellow that uh, I'm I love it. That's so good. Um, well, thank you so thank you much so, for so talking much. with us. This was probably one of my favorite conversations. This was really, this was really so good. This was awesome, and I think you'll teach people a lot. Yes, for sure. Good. Which is Honestly, important. Which is important. Good. I mean, that's our responsibility. Like, like Honestly. when you have when you have a voice, you have a platform, even if it's a small one. Even if you have forty five followers on Instagram, mm-hmm. get on Instagram Live and have a conversation with somebody, and talk about something that really matters to you on a deeper level. Yes, because. If from the very beginning of our lives or our podcasts or our media campaigns, even if you're not getting to everybody, if you're getting to a few people, mm-hmm. that's that's going to empower you with the right people. And it's going to allow you the freedom to build your brand in a way that represents who you truly are on a deeper level. Mm-hmm. And then you get to do whatever you want. Yes. Oh, my God. Two for one. We just got a two little words of wisdom. Yeah. <sighs> Damn, dude. Spiel I'm sorry that coach. I know. Honestly, that's your next uh, incarn- incarnation <laughs> if you want. Will you tell everybody where they can learn more about you? If you have a Twitter or an Instagram website, everything. I'm on all the social media stuff, and I am at Andrew Sotomayor, S-O-T-O-M-A-Y-O-R. And my brand is Oracle Jane Station, J-A-Y-N-E, Oracle Jane Station. And you can uh, also check out my amazing podcast with my very first guest, Carmen D, from What Not to Wear. It's called Masters of Makeup, and it's on, I think, pretty much all the podcast places. So track me down. I'm easy. Yes, people, listen to the pod. Let's give some love and keep everything going. Keep this shit rocking. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed that wonderful conversation and interview that we had with Andrew. How good. You didn't think that we were going to go there. I didn't even think that we were going to go there. I had no idea. We went all around the world and back. And I, I mean, you know that I'm here for a tangent. Same. (laughs) So I loved it. Same. I loved so many things that he said mm-hmm. and that he talked about. Towards the end when he was talking about his fragrance line and the way that he described it, I was yes. like, damn. Yes. I'm, as soon as we're finished with this, I'm going to purchase it. We can share it I got it if the chills when he was describing. <laughs> never, I'm not like a big perfume person. Yes. But I do like scents yes. in general. Mm-hmm. And the way that he described things, I was just like, geez. Yes. It was so beautiful and emotion evoking, I suppose. Oh my God, that's right? enough to make me want to buy something. I mean, there's so many things that he spoke about that you listener, I'm sure, heard Alex and I just being speechless. I was which, like in like, a trance. How often does that happen? Do yeah. that we have nothing to say? Yeah. Yeah. Andy, I really just like. for us. <laughs> listening to him yes so many great words of wisdom but so much truth yes and also you can tell part of it is from years being in the beauty industry yes you know there's Mm -hmm. a lot of fuckery yeah i mean in any industry but well also we're we're in a similar thing as him yes and he was also i like that he was on the other side like when he first started Mm -hmm. off and he was doing musical theater yeah so he had a really interesting view on the entire industry i think from the inside from the outside from the talent to the other talent (laughs) Yeah. yeah honestly i'd love to see him in a play I would love, I mean, just watching him, he, it was like a, watching a play. He's just so engrossing. And I love how he talks. Yes. I think that's what I mean. Like with I his. enjoy listening to his voice. Yes. So do I. Yeah. I agreed. 
If you guys want to take a look at his luxury fragrance line, you should. Um, you totally should. <laughs> there is an Instagram for it. It's called Oracle Jane Station, and like he had said, it's spelled J A Y N E. And yeah, you can go on Instagram, and then there's a link to the website, which is the same OracleJaneStation.com. You can also follow his personal Instagram, Andrew Sotomayor. So it's Andrew. His last name is spelled S O T O M A Y O R, and that's just at Andrew Sotomayor on Instagram. And yeah, let us know what you guys think of this episode. I I hope that you loved it as much as I did. I hope you learned a lot. I definitely learned stuff. I learned right? tons. I learned tons, and I was so happy just to be with somebody else that was that's here for empowerment. That's mm-hmm. here to empower consumers, beauty experts, beauty um, industry people. It's also nice to chat with someone who seems. To have had confidence even way back when. Yes, from day like, one. Bleaching the hair, it looked kind of fucked up, but he's like, nah, I rocked that shit. <laughs> yes, and even, you know, we're going to get that patented, that number 128. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love it. But just it. like someone who, oh my God, this is so cheesy, but turns lemons into lemonade. Yes, yes. You know? It is cheesy, but I think that people need to hear that we're in a really difficult time right yeah. now in humanity, period. And just like hearing uplifting stories and hearing people that want to empower you is really what we're here for. So I hope that you do like hearing stories of people turning lemons into lemonade because we are all looking at a bunch of lemons right now. <laughs> Look outside, lemons, lemons. <laughs> Everywhere's a fucking lemon. We need lemonade (laughs) Um, you guys can hang out with us at True Beauty Brooklyn or at True Beauty Brooklyn podcast on the Instagram yes you can also follow us on Twitter on Twitter we are at True Beauty pod True True Beauty BK pod yes yeah that's it Um, as always you can email us at truebeautybrooklynpodcast at gmail.com we've been getting really great emails lately I can't wait to read one to you next week oh yeah I'm excited so good so keep sending us your stories please keep sending us your milk with your dinners keep sending us your I didn't know them but I'm older now send us your Sabs listener letter questions because that's coming up like in the next two weeks yes any beauty questions you have especially about makeup and hair for Mm -hmm. her and then obviously skin stuff for us our brow stuff brow stuff yes Mm -hmm. And what else can we tell the people? I think that is it. I think that is it. Okay, so also, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Yes. You guys, don't be so stingy with your likes. Just give us a little five-star review. Takes two seconds. If it's a four-star review, you can keep that shit. We don't want it. (laughs) Five stars only. Five stars only. Who gets out of their way to leave less than that for a podcast? Like, just move on with your day. Exactly. It's true. Just never speak or hear of us again. If you feel otherwise and you're like, you know what, bitch, I'm going to keep my five stars. That's fine. But you still really like us. You could tell a friend. You could tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. If you really want to keep your stars to yourself for some reason, (laughs) that's weird. We're here giving you guys all these great tips and advice. The least you can do. But, you know, I'm not judging you. I love you guys. No judgments. Mm -hmm. I'm a little judgy. (laughs) But I think that that's it. Email us. Instagram us. Tweet us. Otherwise, we will see you guys here next week. We love you so much. See you next week. See ya. Bye.